What's up, everybody? It's Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you're tuned into Kinda Neat. Thank you guys for listening in again. Already past 30 episodes. This is episode 31. It's so crazy. In recent podcast news, I ended up redesigning the logo, the Kinda Neat logo. The first one was always just kind of a place marker with the shitty like TV background, and I had called upon you guys to try and do some design work, and I appreciate all the submissions. I probably got like 10 or 15 submissions, and they were all awesome. And then what I learned from that process is that I'm pretty much just a fucking complete weirdo control freak, and I ended up just doing it myself one night while I was sitting at home bored. And so, yeah, there's a new Kinda Neat logo, and I'm pretty stoked on it, but I'm biased because I did it. <laughs> so also in podcast news. We created a Facebook page. I don't know why I never got around to doing it before. I kind of felt like maybe I would wait until I knew it was really, really a thing to make a Facebook page. But yeah, now at facebook.com slash kind of neat, you guys can go and like the Facebook page and I'll be posting up pictures of what we do here and shenanigans. And really, I'll just be kind of treating it the same way that I do the Twitter and just posting about whatever new content we put out. This week, we have in a young man, a young gentleman named uh, Toy Light. His name is Walker, but uh, his nom de plume as an artist is Toy Light. And he makes some really fucking interesting music. Uh, He uses a lot of found noise. So he's out there just recording stuff uh, that he hears around the house or hears around his art studio or what have you and flips it and twists it into these like lush soundscapes. And it's kind of Radiohead-ish. He's a vocalist as well. So he produces the background music, but also he's singing on it. And I don't know. I like it. Uh, Shout out to my friend Colin, who goes by Versus. He's the one who pointed me out to him. So yeah, if you guys have artists that you like and you think that I might like, please feel free to hit me up and tell me about them because I do try to check out as much as I can. Every once in a while, about probably one out of 10 or one out of 15 artists that I like check out, I'm like, oh yeah, this is good. And I would really, I think this would fit the format. And so yeah, shout out to Versus. You guys may or may not know him. He's a good, he's a good youngster as well. Before we go any farther, fuck. Yeah, my name's Lee, Intuition. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. You can follow my man behind the boards, Ben Shim, making the shit sound buttery at I am database space with two S's. Follow us both on Instagram under the same names. We're out there slanging them filters. You know, follow us as a unit on Twitter at that's kind of neat. Did I just make you laugh, Ben? What are you laughing? What? Oh, he was yawning. He's not laughing. What a fucking asshole. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at That's Kind of Neat. You can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash That's Kind of Neat. And uh, everything's wrapped up in a pretty package under kindofneat.net. And please, if you have Facebook, which all of you probably do, take five seconds to go ahead and uh, like our new Facebook page at facebook.com slash neat. Subscribe to us on iTunes. That is the most important and awesome thing you can do is just subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating. Comment on there. I go and read the comments about once a week. So like, just leave a comment. Tell me about like what you like or dislike the stuff that you dislike i'm just gonna say fuck you in my head and not pay attention and the stuff that you like i'm gonna go hey ah, cool they like me they really like me and also you should suggest artists that you want to hear on the show because that's very important to us like i just said a lot of the stuff that ends up on here is just suggestions that are made to me i reached out to you guys on my personal facebook page about if you have any advice that you want or any questions that you would like answered please reach out and feel free and the night that i did that i got like maybe 30 or 35 responses to my request and 
they were interesting. There were some crazy questions. One guy asked me, like, where would I put a taco truck if I was starting a taco truck in Los Angeles? And I'm like, dude, I have no idea. That's a really crazy question. And he's like, yeah, no, I live in Minnesota. I don't really fucking. <laughs> he's like, I just, I just wanted you to ask a question nobody else would ask. And I'm like, oh, congratulations, you did. But, um, I got a bunch, and so I'll be answering them over upcoming weeks. And this is the first one that I wanted to answer that kind of struck a chord with me. I'm by no means an expert in this subject, but I just wanted to kind of reach out to a young fan and, you know, see if maybe I had some good words for him. So this guy says, hey, man, I just wanted to ask if you've got any advice on social anxiety or bipolar disorder. I'm not suffering from it. I mean, like officially in the way that I haven't talked to anybody about it, but I find myself down and alone a lot of the time by myself on other occasions. I can be pretty funny and a lot of people seem to like that side of me, but I feel like it's all just superficial and just not really me. It's like I'm acting in a role or something when I'm in school or with friends and I just can't relate to most of the stuff they're talking about. So I end up rejecting all their invitations to parties and stuff most of the time and just end up being alone by myself, listening to music or watching movies, etc. Sorry for my English. I thought your English was pretty good. Uh, I don't know if that was just like you're talking about your grammar, if your English is a second language, but I thought your English was pretty good. So social anxiety and bipolar disorder. Now, first and foremost, I want to say I'm not a, a psychological expert on bipolar disorder, but I have read some books because I used to date and live with a girl who had some bipolar stuff in her family. Um, and so I read up about it. And I think that our generation or kids like, you know, millennials, they, they confuse bipolar disorder with just being really happy sometimes and really sad on other times. But I think that's just kind of life. Bipolar disorder is actually closer to schizophrenia and misdiagnosed as schizophrenia or schizophrenia is often misdiagnosed uh, as bipolar or vice versa. Because with bipolar dis disorder, like oftentimes you do, you know, hallucinate or have paranoia and it's a lot more serious than just like, Oh, today I'm really happy and tomorrow I'm really sad. And social anxiety, I'm not that familiar with. I'm a pretty outgoing person. But I can touch on the fact that like I have suffered from depression for most of my life. There was a point in my life where I, did, I, I used to go to a shrink for a while back in my early 20s. And she told me this uh, catchphrase, dystemic depression, uh, dystemia. It's basically like when you've been depressed for so long or you started being depressed so early on that it just feels normal. And so like you basically learn to cope with your depression on your own. And so I've never taken like meds for depression like she wanted to put me on them or said I was a good candidate and I'm like I'm not really down because I like, don't want to just be neutral I'm down with the I'm okay with ups and downs basically um so what I will say is that while I don't have social anxiety, like I don't get nervous talking to people, I don't uh, have a problem speaking with strangers or anything like that. Oftentimes my depression does keep me from wanting to go out and I get a little hermetic. Like I get, I get, I just become a hermit and I just uh, stay in my apartment. And there are times when I don't want to leave my apartment for a few days. Um, and so the way that I've treated that is kind of to force myself to leave. And I found that just kind of trying to stay positive and leading with yes when opportunities arrive uh, arise in that you mentioned in your in your question like, oh, when people invite me out, I often don't feel like it because I'm so nervous, right? So here's the thing is that if I get invited out and I'm going through a phase, a bit of like a downer phase, my first instinct is to go, nah, I don't want to go out. I just want to sit home and perhaps watch house of cards tonight or something. I find that it's better to go against my initial judgment and lead with yes and go, you know what? Yeah. 
you're inviting me out. I should go out because when you force yourself to face what you're going through, oftentimes you can work through it. So I feel like my best advice to you is that when you feel your social anxiety really bubbling up in your stomach and somebody invites you to a fucking, I don't know, like a makeout party. Yeah, I would assume that you must be in high school or something when you're talking about you feel nervous in school and, you know, you get nervous at parties and stuff. So what I'm saying is when you get invited out, force yourself to go, force yourself to face your fears and your anxieties head on. And I think that positive things will come from that. And I think perhaps it would help you get over it. Now, like I said, you have to take my advice with a grain of salt. If that shit doesn't work and you have terrible social anxiety still, perhaps medications are the route. It probably is a chemical imbalance. I think like, I don't know if it's uh, like what Xanax or something is, is an anxiety uh, drug. Perhaps, you know, speaking to somebody who is a professional, they would be able to like point you in the right direction and get you on meds that might balance you out. That's not the path for me. But if it is a crippling social anxiety where you find yourself not ever able to be out and find it affecting your work at school, affecting your um, social standings, affecting how you interact with people, then perhaps that is something that you would want to look into. So with that being said, hopefully that was a little bit of help. And hopefully like, I don't sound like a complete emo fucking turd now about like, Oh, I'm so depressed. Cause I'm not really that depressed. I, I manage it and I use it. I'm the type of um, depressed person that uses their depression to drive them. So when I feel like a piece of shit and I don't feel good, my depression turns into a bit of anxiety and the anxiety makes me go, yo, you should be doing something. And then I get busy and then I feel better. So that's another piece of advice is like, yo, if whatever is a negative in your life, try to turn it into a positive to motivate yourself. So if your anxiety is, if you feel like it's holding you back at first, confront it head on and use it to motivate you and say, man, this makes me feel like shit. So I want to beat this, you know? So yeah, man, I hope that you work through it. Like I said, if all else fails, see a professional because I'm certainly not. And now without further ado, we're going to get into this young gentleman named Toy Light. He's going to be playing at Low End Theory on October 2nd. So if you're in the area, you guys can catch him live. I think he's got a cool thing going on. He's a very calm dude, very sage-like, seems wise beyond his years, very artsy-fartsy. I think the girls are going to go crazy for him. And so here it is. This is my interview with Toy Light. What's up, dude? Hi. Nice to meet you. Yo, yo, you too. Yeah, I've never met you before. My friend Versus put me onto your music and I started checking out all your SoundCloud mm -hmm. stuff. And I always like it when friends put me onto things because then it's like easier to learn about music. Yeah, likewise, man. Yeah. Versus is, was uh, one of the first people who heard my stuff when I was just starting out. And um, he was. When you did know. you just start out? Um, that stuff was when. That was the first stuff I started like sharing yeah. online, and that the stuff on your SoundCloud. Before that, before that, I had Bandcamp. I just made like ten songs. Like I called it "Lighten Up" because I was learning how to record and stuff. And I I don't share that stuff with anyone anymore because it sounds like crap to me. But right, um, I would say that's a sign of artistic growth. When you hate your last project, that means yeah. that you're getting better. You know? <laughs> yeah, I can say that with a lot of my stuff. Yeah, which is good. So yeah, your you go by Toy Light. Uh huh. Walker is your name. Right. Well, how long have you been making music? How long ago did that start? I've uh, been making music forever, really. I think, you know, I was singing when I was like a toddler, just uh -huh. like singing like, you know, Disney Channel soundtracks and stuff like that. And then I started like being a musician, I started picking up guitar at 11, then played in bands through high school. 
And then when I got to college, that's when I started to record on my own. And What kind of bands were you in? The first band I was in, it was just this one kid who was on my baseball team and I who uh, played drums. And, you know, we just had similar tastes. And he said, go get a guitar, man. Like, just do it. And I was, yeah. like, I was like, all right. So I begged my parents. They copped one for me for Christmas. and Electric or acoustic? Electric. Nice. And uh, my dad was like, oh, we got to get him an acoustic guitar. You know, that's that's the best way to start. And you're like, fuck that. I want to yeah. rock out, dude. Yeah, it was yeah. no question. Yeah, give me some distortion and shit. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was funny. It took me like a year to figure out how to just like press the distort button yeah. on the thing. Yeah. So I'd play guitar like clean like and try and make it sound gritty. Right. Because I was just so clueless. But, um, you know, it just started really early like that. Yeah, you said at 11 you got a guitar? Yeah. Yeah, that's tight. Uh, that's early. So you had a friend that was like playing drums already at 11 too. He was so raw, dude. It's crazy because now if it, if it would have been the internet days, you guys would have blown up at age 11 as like, oh, look at this <laughs> cute little YouTube actor, rock and yeah, roll band. That's so cute. Uh, yeah. Did you stick with baseball? Oh, man. I stopped playing right when high school hit. Yeah. I was like, I can't spend any more time like outside in the sun doing this running around yeah um just over the sports well yeah just over the sports and over all the people and stuff. where are you from i'm from the bay area originally I was what born, part of the bay i was born and raised in san fran uh-huh. um in bernal heights if you know where that is i don't it's right above the mission okay back in 92 when i was born it was a pretty pretty uh dicey neighborhood you know but recently it's gotten it's really nice now damn 92 so you're mad young then yeah. So when you say, oh, I got a guitar when I was 11, it was like six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So what, what's it like growing up in San Francisco in 1992 when uh, Full House was at its peak when you were born, probably. And now that house people go to visit and you have no idea what it is because you've never seen a Full House because you're too young. No. Oh, no idea. About, that's what the Olsen twins got famous for, man. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Full House, right. bro. You got to fucking look it up. It's an ama- amazing TGI Friday Americana sitcom. But anyhow, oh, so you, you're growing up in San Francisco in the 90s and you say it's a dicey neighborhood house. So how did you know that? Well, that's just what my parents said. Yeah. They got me out of there when I was started going to school and stuff. Yeah. Um, my parents were uh, hardcore biologists molecular biologists oh wow it took them a little while to like make a really good make their own career out of that you know being a scientist you have to kind of study with certain professors you know go with whatever institution will help you so they're just like in academia they were they both have phds now and they run their own company and they're doing great oh so what does their company do they research soil and like you know really just microbes in the environment, unsuspecting places. They're both really smart. It's like, you know, when I was growing up, they were always so jacked up on science and stuff like that. And that was cool. But once they got like started making good money, we moved out of there, out of the kind of shitty neighborhood. And where did you guys head? We went to Marin. Oh, okay. You know where that is? Yeah. Yeah. Really nice. Yeah. So I went to high school there and everything. You, you're probably like third or fourth person from Marin that we've had on here. Oh, really? Yes. Well, because yeah, Spit, Spit was, uh, and then Brick Stowell was from uh, okay. Marin as well. How'd your folks meet? In, at like, where did they go? Stanford or something? They met at UCLA. UCLA. Yeah. That's where I go now. Oh, no shit. Yeah. It's a family tradition. Are you studying anyway. molecular biology? Hell no. What are you studying? Studying art. Oh, that's going to be super useful. <laughs> that's what they said. <laughs> they were, yeah, take it from me. Uh, my bachelor's in commercial photography is super useful. No, I'm, I'm uh, kidding. It's not. But <laughs> no, that's good. You, you get to play and study art. What are you um, focusing on in your art career? 
Um, music. Why not have gone to like Thornton or something? I mean, UCLA was by far the best school I got into. And, you know, in high school, I was an artist mostly. I mean, I played in bands and stuff, but I was a photo kid. Oh, yeah. I was always running around shooting. With a camera. Yeah. Um, I was super into like the analog, you know, black and white. So you guys so, had a photo processing lab in the in the high school and shit? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah, tight. We had it all, dude. They're like shutting all of those down. It's so lame. Yeah. I went to Brooks Institute of Photography uh-huh. uh, in Santa Barbara. Are you familiar with it? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I went there and uh, when I went, yeah, we had to, you had to have a film camera in the first like years, all just black and white before you need to shoot color and it was all processing and stuff. And now they don't even teach kids how to process film anymore. Yeah, it's dude. like you have to come in with a digital camera because it's just, that's it. Mm-hmm. So that's dope that you got to learn how to process. Dude, it was, um, it changed everything for me. It was a way to get my hands on something creative Mm -hmm. and you know it's about imagery you know and there's uh it runs in the family too really i was gonna say it's also the most like kind of mathematical and scientific art absolutely because processing is a lot of chemical formulas and it's a lot of like mixing the proper amounts of this and that and timing and math and and fractions yeah dude yeah it's crazy maybe that came easy to you because your parents are scientists that part did yeah you know my dad was really into um, shooting like four by five you oh, know, with a tripod, yeah, for sure, large format. And my uncle, my uncle's a you know went to art center mm-hmm. and uh, Pasadena, that's right. Yeah, and he's a fashion photographer now. I doubt. Yeah, man. So photography was my shit, and then that's how I got to school. You know, when I got to UCLA, it was my entire portfolio, pretty much the entire basis for my acceptance was photography. Nice. So, what kind of stuff do you shoot? Well, I did shoot like. Uh, you know, in the beginning, it was, you know, nature and stuff like that. But then I started like being more technical and getting into night photography and you know light and stuff like that and star trails and stuff. Or yeah, what? yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was a lot of my portfolio, kind of. And then shooting girlfriends and stuff like that. That wasn't the yeah, strongest ha- stuff. But. Happened, yeah, but I mean, it's an excuse to get girls naked. Yeah, yeah, let's exactly. be real. Yeah, I was never good at photographing girls naked because I was, it was kind of one of those things where I'm like, a girl gets naked in front of a camera and all of a sudden you forget everything except that there's a naked girl in front of your camera. You're like, oh, yeah, that looks good. She's like fucking twisted up and looking like horrible facial expressions, but all you can see is her tits, you know? It's yeah. like, <laughs> so it's like my my nude photography skills were never up to snuff. Yeah, same, man. <laughs> I. I took the photo thing for a little while and I even got flown out to work at Fashion Week in New York and oh, cool. shoot the runway stuff and do lookbooks and I also part-time just like assist a photographer here in LA. Oh, what's his name? His name is Jonathan Leonard. His work is mostly uh, based in India. He's a commercial director. Awesome. He's seen like, you know, L'Oreal commercials, all the stuff that just looks so over the top, you know, like beautiful. Yeah. He's really well off and I assist him with that. He, sometimes he takes me to Vegas and we, we get nasty and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. The photo stuff was, was cool, but it wasn't wasn't everything. Right. So what is it now? It's not, it's not photo anymore. music, anyway. man. Just yeah. music. So the art and music degrees can tie into each other at UCLA? Or do they have a music department there? Oh, man, they're so bunk about letting me do anything musical, trying to get like a degree or a minor or something. I didn't get into the music school. Therefore, if I wanted to, I'd have to reapply. reapply And I never wanted to do music school. I wanted to do art school because I think music, my favorite music is naturally. Well, yeah. And and my favorite music is is very much artistic, you know. Yeah. 
basically now I just call myself a sculpture major. Okay. I like, you know, build songs out of parts and okay. it's not so much uh traditional instruments like I would learn in music school. I'm I'm sitting there in the sculpture lab like with my recorder, you know, banging on shit. Okay. So So you use a lot of found noise and stuff like that? Almost all of found it. Found yeah. sounds. No shit. That's tight. Do you actually sculpt as well? Like, like, can you make me a bong? Like, yeah. <laughs> I could make a bong. Yeah, I could make a dope bong. <laughs> Tight. I, I don't actually smoke weed, but that's just the first thing that I, you maybe make me an ashtray. Yeah. Uh, well, people have always asked me, like, oh, why did you go into photo school? Like, you do music. Why didn't you go to music school? And I always kind of say, well, like, music was something that I was passionate enough about to teach myself, mm-hmm. and I felt like I didn't need the school. Like, would you say that, like, uh, are you in agreement? with that most definitely yeah i've talked about this before on the podcast i think where like i don't know if i'll ever like force my kids to go to college if i have kids because Mm -hmm. like i think if you're if you care enough about something you're just gonna open a book and teach yourself right exactly man that's how that's how i did everything so you're 100 percent self-taught yeah man my parents are scientists you know when i remember the day that they you know they sat me down they were like so you're going to school for photo and like you know what are you gonna do after that going to get a job being a photographer and i was like uh no and they were like what i said (laughs) i said i'm gonna go down there and i'm gonna study and i'm gonna be a musician yeah and they were like you can't just like try to do that you know like you know how many people try and do that and i was like i don't know how many people try and do that but that's just what i'm gonna do yeah and then when i said like i'm just gonna do that they said you know then they were like all right word I feel like parents just need that, like, you know, they need to know that there's that their child is motivated. Yeah, I kind of had that same talk with my folks, and they still aren't very convinced. <laughs> Ten years later, they're not that convinced. But, yeah, it's a long road ahead of you, and, and fuck, man. To be 20 years old again and, like, fucking excited about shit would be really tight. Uh, are you, you think you'll end up using your art degree to help your visual aesthetic? Hell yeah, I, I feel like that's the the best thing that has come um, from my photo degree after I found out that, like, f- actually shooting photos was not probably my, my main passion anymore was that it was able to help me develop a personal brand. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? do yeah yeah have you been uh have you been figuring that out and tinkering with your personal brand as time goes along i have it's kind of evolved from photography though mm-hmm. about right when i pretty much right when i got to college inconveniently i fell out of love with photography yeah that's what happens so you get burnt out on it yeah yeah i just didn't like having a camera and you know just it wasn't the camera it was just like i just want to live my life but then I just started getting into like printmaking and kind of what it's it's very similar to photography in the process. You know, mm. there's various steps that require precise calculations and time. And like screen printing, right? Like uh, etching. Oh, okay. Like really archaic um, process of you know scratching onto like a copper plate. You uh-huh. know, it's a very physical kind of raw thing that's very you know extinct, but um, yeah, there's a printmaking class that I take, and it's so, so sick. Tight. So I think that the visual kind of component to my music and what I do, how I spend my time, um, it comes out I – like, I like it to come out in as many ways as I can, but lately it's been anything I can kind of like 
have a bodily reaction with you know? right something you can really get your hands into and yeah be physical because mm-hmm. the camera is a lot of machinery doing it for you almost yeah right mm-hmm. um for your age you seem very calm and sage like what were you like as a child were you like a, a young prodigy or something where did you learn how to read when you were like two or something <laughs> i don't think so no i had a speech problem when i was a little kid oh tell me about that I was in like third or fourth grade and I never understood it until like years later, but I realized that I would go to, I would be in, you know, elementary class with all my peers. And then around like, you know, one o'clock every day after lunch, I would go into a separate room with like three other kids from school right? and like read like picture books and stuff. And I was like, this is awesome, man. I love this class. Yeah. And but it was like I rem- remedial later. fucking reading for yeah because it was because i guess i couldn't read and talk at the same time uh i had a problem doing that i stuttered a lot when i was little yeah people called me well my i remember my uh, daycare director when i lived in san francisco called me done a man oh because you no All the shit. time. What an asshole. He was, yeah, he was crazy, dude. You're that, not allowed to say that to children. That's crazy. <laughs> Man, that guy, that guy, never forget him. I'm still, still kind of close with him, but. Oh, crazy. I don't know. After I saw like, um, All the King's Men or whatever it was, or that, that, the King's Speech, I guess, where he was like, oh, you know, were you born left-handed and then forced to be right-handed? Hmm. Have you heard that? A lot of people that have stutters, they're born left-handed and then they're forced to be right-handed, which is crazy because then you're trying to think with the opposite side of your brain all the time, which makes you fucking stutter. Yeah, dude, that's trippy. Yeah. I think what it is for me, mm-hmm. it's not the hands. Yeah. It's, uh, it's my stance when I skate or surf. Uh, you know, I'm yeah. goofy footed, so yeah. right foot forward. Yeah, I'm regular footed and everything. And you're right handed? But I'm left handed. Oh, so you're like me. I'm left handed, but right footed. Okay. Right? Left handed, right footed. So you ride regular? I ride regular. I kick oh, a, I think that's normal. I, I kick a soccer ball with my right foot and like. Uh, Same. Yeah. But I'm left-handed. Yeah. Are you left-handed? No. Oh, okay. right-handed. Yeah, yeah. So that you know, there's some mix-up yeah. there. I think I do feel like uh, you know, along my adolescence, there was kind of an awkward thing in how I, you know, the way I skated. You know, uh-huh. skating and uh, surfing and stuff were a big deal in high school, right? So. So you grew up skating and surfing. Skating more. Yeah. What age did you pick up a skateboard? As early as I could, probably before guitar. No shit. Yeah. Like you were super into it. Did you get good? Um, I got like, I think I got like four kickflips in my life. Oh, so not, not that, that good. good. Not that good. <laughs> They're pretty but, bad. So you would use it for just <laughs> transportation more or less. Yeah, there was that phase. I mean, I did want to get really good. Yeah. So I, I practiced a lot and I was, I could like, I'm, I'm like fairly, you know, agile on my skateboard. You know, I can, I used to skate through San Fran all the time and, you know, like, San Francisco is really sketchy and hilly. And Fuck yeah. It's crazy. You know, you got to be, you got to at least. Riding a bike there seems a hella sketch. <sighs> Dude. Yeah. Driving there is crazy. Yeah, I believe it. But, uh. So like when you were in high school, like you weren't a skater kid per se. I was. You were? Definitely. But, yeah. but did the other skater kids, were, did they make fun of you? Like, yo man, you don't got your fucking laser flips down. Yeah, cause? dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I was the kind of artsy dude with the camera at the same time. You oh know? yeah. You know, similarly, uh. I grew up in Alaska. I don't know if you know that, oh, but really? uh, yeah, I say that all the time. I'm sorry for the listeners that I get, keep eating that pounded in their heads. <laughs> but so I grew up up there and um, there wasn't much of a skate season up there because the summer is only a few months and I was busy playing baseball at, at those times and soccer and shit. So 
I had the like skate bug in me. So we, I snowboarded cause that was like the equivalent. So like rather than being a skater kid up there, it's like easier to be a snowboarder kid. And, um, I really loved it. And I like, for a while I was like, Oh, I want to get really good at this and go pro or something. But then I realized like, Oh wait, some of my friends are way better at this than me. Yeah. So maybe I should get a camera and start shooting them. Yeah. And that was like what initially drew my interest into photography. When I was like mm-hmm. 14, I was like, oh, I want to shoot my friends that are like doing backflips and shit. Same dude. Yeah. Yeah. So with surfing too, did you, you said you surfed surfing? Yeah. Surfing in NorCal is different. Yeah, I could imagine really full, rugged. full suits and full suits, booties, sharks, and oh, rocks, wow. and everything you don't like. Yeah, were you pretty <laughs> decent at surfing? Um, I wouldn't, you know, hardly say decent. I would say that I uh, went as much as I could, but it, but the experiences I had definitely defined a certain, you know, certain part of me. It takes a lot of heart to surf. It takes a lot of courage dude people don't realize that it's fucking so scary dude it, yeah <laughs> surfing i feel like people don't realize because in movies it's so glorified and stuff but like surfing is fucking pretty frightening like there's yeah. the ocean has all sorts of things underneath that you can't see yeah even beyond wildlife there's rocks and shit it's crazy yeah. and and I, I feel like people particularly that don't live in california they think that standing up is the hard part and that's like the easy part yeah. it, the hard part is paddling out against the fucking set and like yeah. getting knocked back to the shore every time a wave hits you like, yeah it takes, it takes a lot of heart man it's a uh, it's the ultimate challenge yeah you know it challenges your uh your comfort and people don't show the side of surfing where it's just waiting you know yeah there's a patience. lot of waiting around it's really just you against the the ocean it's <laughs> you against the world pretty literally it's yeah dude yeah. it's uh you know i've had like I've, I've wiped out like really really hard and like you know thought that was it yeah. You know, when I was like, got smacked at the bottom of the floor of the ocean floor and then like coming up and then just getting smacked again, you know, and then just n- being completely out of breath, you yeah. know, like fighting for my life and just things like that. You know, I was okay, but you know, it's uh definitely changes you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, were you guys wearing like, like full like hoods and everything on your wetsuits? Is it that cold? A lot of people did. I yeah. I was, you know, I try to keep it a little stylish. Go uh go without boots. No, nothing on the head. Yeah. I try to keep it keep it uh basic. Word. After um learning how to read <laughs> and talk at the same yeah. time in third grade. Oh man. How were you as a student? Diligent student? Were I the, were the parents I, uh, strict about it? I think uh I I was a very much like a spacer, you know. I played like sports with all my friends and stuff like that, but beneath that you know when i was home alone all the time then it's not like i was like mr cool guy hanging out outside with all my friends it was like i'd go to practice and then i'd go home Mm -hmm. and then i you know early on it was like video games and stuff like that but um that wasn't everything yeah it became i mean the earliest stage was uh you know me and just like all my little toys and stuff yeah is that where the name comes from or what in a way yeah 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 uh, what, what you and I have a generational gap. I'm a good decade older than you. Oh. And so like, uh, I'm curious, like what, what are the toys that you came up with? And like, what's the first video game system you had? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, Cause totally. That, Cause like that shit probably just seems like yesterday for me. That the was landmarks. Yeah. First video game system. I had just the PS one. Mm. That was the only one I ever had. Mm. That came out when I was in high school. Uh huh. I was really big on uh crash team racing. Okay. That was my shit. And the toys 
which came earlier, I was super into the toys that were part of like, you know, stories that existed on TV. So like Dragon Ball Z. Okay. That was, that was like a huge deal for me. Major. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I had, I was an X-Files nerd too. Okay. So like I had like a, a molder toy and a scully toy and <laughs> that's funny yeah they kind of like just chilled in the box on the side i didn't really have too much fun with them but yeah um, you're like these are going to be a collector's item yeah <laughs> yeah if i would if i could think that far with the toys i just i just remember being so f- feeling so free yeah and feeling like i could be my vicious self you know there were parts of my personality and parts of everyone's personality that you could never share with you know daily are you an only child? No, I have a little sister. How much younger? She just turned eighteen. Okay, is she hot? I'm just kidding. People, yeah, <laughs> my friends, my friends joke about it. So, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's just a fucking reaction. Um, yeah, I feel you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, what were the parents like? Were they always busy? Were you a latchkey kid? What's that? Oh, is that not a term for young people? <laughs> I've heard it. A latchkey kid is like somebody where like your folks are busy at work and stuff, oh. so you go home and like watch TV and shit on your own and and like wait for them to get home late I was at like night. That. Yeah, but I I had you know sometimes they'd put me in like after school care, so yeah, I hated that stuff though. I always just wanted to be like, no, just let me go home, you know? I'll, yeah, I'll do my thing there. I don't need all these kids. Yeah. So my parents were really cool. They, you know, they, they weren't like overly busy it's not like they ignored me or anything but I and def- like marin's a nice place to grow up it's the shit yeah so you guys are doing all right and mm-hmm. and i feel like marin is like a lot of uh open-minded people about like drug totally experimentation do. and stuff like yeah. that like did you get into the drugs early yeah and what did you start doing first well um when i got to high school i started smoking pot yeah and that was what i did in high school stoner <laughs> kid i was a stoner kid i was a stoner kid too yeah yeah I mean, once I, once I did shrooms when I was 16, yeah, which I wouldn't recommend for 16 year olds who were like me because my first trip got kind of freaky. Yeah. Well, I just did it. I just did it like, kinda, I did it right. Like I did it right. I, I got up at like six in the morning with all my homies and it was like <laughs> one of my dedication. Yeah. And, wow. and it was, uh, one of their birthdays. And we were, he just turned 16 and we were like, all right, like let's wake up early on Saturday morning. And uh, we'll eat them and we'll hike up in the woods. And uh, we weren't thinking right. It doesn't get light in the woods till like noon. Yeah. So we're like kind of tripping balls in the woods. In the dark. In the dark. Oof. And it's cold, dude. Oof. It was in it was in like November. Yeah. So the worst thing, the worst thing when you're on drugs is being cold. Yeah, it sucks. You're shivering and shit. Yeah. And you just hallucinogens definitely <laughs> make you shiver too. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, so that, it, was, it was great. I had a great time, but I I uh, got rocked. Yeah. You know? So yeah. after that, you know, like the next. Few I mean, days, would you say it was a good trip or a bad trip? I just remember in the very beginning, there was just a moment where I was like, oh, yeah. What if, what if this or that or well, I don't yeah, remember you, what I you thought. Kind of freak out a little bit. And then just the whole. I just felt like you know my throat like just being sinking down all yeah. the way into my stomach. I just felt like just this pull. downwards and i was like never never felt that before and that freaked me out my friends were all like well do you calm down like it's all right and uh it was all good after that but that like that was that had a lasting kind of echo yeah um but after that man i took you know i took all kinds of stuff and it's all been great (laughs) 
<laughs> there you go, kids. Yeah. It's all been great. No, um, yeah, that's funny that you guys like planned it out and woke up at six in the morning. I remember uh, yeah. my first time doing mushrooms was very like on a whim. My friend was like, I was like probably nineteen, and he's just like, "Hey, man, uh, we got some mushrooms. You got forty bucks?" I'm like, Psh, "Let's go." Yeah. It is like nine o'clock at night, and then uh, my my first oh, trip shit. on my first trip on mushrooms was terrible. It was uh, really? yeah, I had a very bad trip, but I had done other hallucinogens before and had good trips, so I was like not worried about it and i went in probably overconfident and oh. then i just had like a freak out moment because i've probably told this before but like my um we were in the backseat of a car like heading to a party and in the middle of a city intersection my fucking friend like opens the back door of the car and starts vomiting oh, uh fuck. Yeah, in the middle of an intersection, and I'm like, "Fuck, man, we're like, <laughs> we're like in downtown in a city, like we're gonna get pulled oh over. We're God. fucked, man. Oh, take me home." Like I could, I just couldn't, I couldn't hack it with shrooms <laughs> on the first time, and I kept trying and trying. I never had a good trip on shrooms, but I, I loved acid. I was an acid yeah. guy. Yeah, um, yeah. So, are you still on a path of self discovery? Are you still into the like uh, learning about yourself via hallucinogens? <laughs> um, I learn from every time I do it. Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't take them that often anymore. Yeah. And they never became anything I needed, but they yeah, became... Yeah, I don't think anybody needs them. Yeah. It's just, it's more <laughs> like you're either down to do it sometimes. Yeah. Like, no, one, no one's like, yo, yeah, hi, I'm here in Narcotics Anonymous because I'm addicted to mushrooms. Like, I feel like, <laughs> yeah, get the dude. fuck out of here. <laughs> I know. The thing with shrooms is uh, there's more kind of a body yeah. influence. Yeah. And that that's kind of freaky in the you know if you're not used to it right but acid acid was always fucking dope man it's very really heady cool. it's very heady huh? yeah yeah very similar but really cool absolutely still smoke the weed oh yeah yeah are you like a weed scientist like you need to know your indicas and sativas and all that shit and like when i was in high school i you know i uh i was proud of the distinction my yeah. knowledge of which to smoke when yeah but uh now it's like man it's hard now because if i smoke like during the day or nowadays i just vape usually because mm. i sing and i don't want to like i don't want to damage anything anymore mm. but um you get so so washed which you know just means like super tired you know and mm. uh in the middle of the day like i can't get out of that yeah you know, i i i think i'm a lightweight when it comes to like everything yeah and I can't do it during the day anymore without, you know, crashing. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but, uh, without, without a good mid-afternoon nap. Yeah, man, yeah. or just a lot of coffee. Yeah, for sure. But Yeah, I don't know. I quit. I actually quit, like, right around your age smoking weed, and it's one of those things where I was never able to, like, turn back. Uh, I don't know. Like sometimes I wish that I could just go back to smoking weed every day because it was like a good self medication yeah. and it kept me pretty neutral. Oh yeah. But at the same time, yeah. Once I quit, it's like now that I'm a fucking old man, I just get paranoid and shit. Yeah. It's got to be like the perfect environment for me to want to do it nowadays. I feel. So you. what was the music environment like in your household? Was your dad into it? Was my, your mom into it? My parents were. Uh, they loved music on on some days. You know, they had, they had whole, they had a whole life of, you know, experiences and they had, they're, they're very much nostalgic. My dad, he was always into like, you know, Bob Marley and Pink Floyd and, mm. you know, Led Zeppelin. And he turned me on to ACDC when I was really young, which was cool. Yeah. My dad was always just, you know, 
when when we have when we're partying, when we're having people over, you know, when it's a good time to play music, do that. He's trying to crank up the ACDC when you guys have a party. That's some white trash. <laughs> some shit. parties. That is some white trash. I'm gonna tell you, in North Pole, Alaska, anytime that you are at a fucking bonfire party or a uh, or like a, a a gravel pit party. You will always hear ACDC raging from someone's truck. It's so funny. Yeah. It's like it's a guarantee. Anyhow, um, yeah, yeah, ACDC. That's dope. What else? Um, well, I remember when when I got a guitar. My mom, God bless her, she was she was just like, well, if you're a guitar player now, you might as well listen to the greatest guitar player ever, Joe Satriani. No, <laughs> <laughs> Hendrix. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was close. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah Hendrix is dope. <laughs> Yeah, he. She turned. I remember the day she she played that for me. Did they have it on vinyl? No, she just bought me like a greatest hit CD. You know, Dope. just whatever was at Best Buy. Yeah, and uh, um, that got me. At first, I was like, I was like, you know, I listened to like radio stuff, and then I heard that, and I was like, this is so weird. Yeah. But then, uh, but then, uh, you know, really listening, it was like, oh shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. That's some life crazy. I was lucky enough to like uh, – it's really cheap in Alaska to live like uh, as far as housing market back when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And so like we lucked out and got a fucking really dope house for really cheap and it had this huge basement. And so my dad wanted to kind of turn it into like a man cave of sorts. And so it's like a thousand square foot basement and he got a pool table down there and he ended up getting a foosball table. We had darts and shit, like all kinds of stuff. That's what's up. Man. Yeah, it was dope. <laughs> but he, uh, he had um, – an extensive vinyl collection down there and like a working his working stereo from like the mid 70s probably Mm -hmm. and so i remember my brother and i would just go down there sometimes we're like two and a half years in in different or in age Mm -hmm. difference but we'd go down and play pool and and we would just pick out random vinyls but it it, it was kind of like we would pick out stuff um, where maybe we knew the name or we had heard of them before or it was just by a cover and so like one of the first records that like we really got into together was the Jimi hendrix experience like Mm -hmm. uh, uh, are you experienced or whatever and like you know with purple haze on it and fucking all on the watchtower and all that shit and it was like that record holds a very dear place in my heart because we used to listen to it on vinyl and it sounds fucking amazing you know what i'm saying um so how did that influence your guitar playing though well he he was so much more than guitar for me too. Mm-hmm. He was like a producer and a singer and a, you know, he brought textures into music that were completely revolutionary and influential even today. Mm-hmm. And so many people were inspired by that, that even the music that I listened to on the radio uh, unknowingly was completely influenced by that. Absolutely. You know? That was kind of like picking up a religious book in a way and like, you know, understanding a source of, of life really. So, um yeah his words and his his you know when you read his words on on paper it's like you know that there's a whole another side yeah but his he he inspired me with his personality i think you know his singing was was almost like rapping on some parts some songs yeah absolutely and just all these big big wails like wow you know like that stuff and that was that has a specific purpose in music and that you know that's a to bring a personality so he he influenced that i think the with the guitar playing just the very kind of a warm and brightness um i think that his there's a man i you know explaining the sound is is difficult but i think that if you listen to 
my stuff or anyone anyone else who's you know influenced by him you can tell because it is a color to it do you see music in color i see music in a lot of different things i see i see colors sometimes yeah but uh, i've heard this phenomenon like and and it happens to me and and i've and i thought that i was just crazy as a kid but i've i guess i've read that other people do it too where like you hear like if you close your eyes and listen to a song you don't even have to close your eyes you can like see different songs come into your head as different colors you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. and i've always judged like a good album by like if there are a lot of colors on it that work together like i don't like an album that just all sounds dark blue to me or something mm -hmm. do you know what i mean it needs, needs to have like some ups and downs like a roller coaster do you relate to that at all or do i just sound like yeah, a crazy person yeah of course man Word. yeah my favorite records i think the most colorful record that i listen to now that is probably my favorite record is uh in rainbows mm. and that that record has so many colors the so radiohead like, joint yeah yeah that fucking man i remember when that album came out and i was i was working an office job and like uh, everybody in our office like mm -hmm. was bumping that it was mm -hmm. crazy that that album didn't leave my rotation for probably like two and a half three months yeah it's so good dude that's you know people people uh nerd out on radiohead and it's funny that you say radiohead because uh I, somebody was asking me today i was chatting with my buddy online and he's like oh who do you have on the podcast today i said i got this dude toy light oh who's that and I said, it's kind of like this electronic dream pop um, singer, producer guy. It's kind of low endy, but I was like, it's kind of Radiohead-ish too, is what I told him. Yeah, and you pumped your fist as I said that. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, I, I, what was it? Something Mansions. There was a Mansions of Night. Yeah, Mansions of Night. I I was listening to that song. I sent it to him. And I said, this doesn't this kind of sound like you know later Radiohead shit, like kind of experimental that way? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. So th that's cool. So Radiohead's a big, big influence. Man, yeah, they, I think, you know, I've been in arguments with my friends about who's the best band ever, mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm always with them, but, uh, yeah, dude, <laughs> they're so good, everything. It's been really cool how they've kind of, like, revolutionized the industry, too. Mm -hmm. I heard this thing that as a musician, you only need a thousand fans to survive, a thousand hardcore fans to survive, meaning somebody that will buy the rare $70, yeah. um, you know, seven inch that, you know, there's only a thousand of them made and, and they'll spend whatever amount of money to get it. Like if you have a thousand of those type of fans, then you can always survive. And I feel like Radiohead has managed to make hundreds of thousands of those fans that will pay any fucking mm -hmm. amount of money, and they ha and they've just been able to like bypass the mm -hmm. music industry now, which is like, if you think about it, I feel like they set the blueprint for sites like Bandcamp and mm -hmm. and and like you know, uh, donate your own like they set the that even like Louis C.K.'s comedy special where it's like here five bucks and you can have mm -hmm. it like that's kind of innate like that's kind of like inherently inspired by what Radiohead originally originally did too. Totally, dude. Yeah. I think them I think just the you can tell what kind of person someone is by what music they make mm -hmm. and you know I think that I I think a lot of people love their music so much because they do something that they do they do things that aren't com conventional mm -hmm. you know and you know life should not be conventional and I think people like music that gives them a sense of, you know, someone's life. And like Tom York even said like, you know, when they were recording Kid A mm -hmm. in that era, they he tried to like record all their mistakes, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's 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 pretty much, you know, 
inspired me in almost every way. Yeah. Because music got to a point when I started recording and stuff, you know, it took me a while to like get my ideas coherent. And then, you know, anything I did when I was really young, I, I never saw anything through. I didn't make, I didn't, I didn't hear it, have a song in my head and then like make that song. Until, like, I until got, it sounded how you heard it in your head. Yeah. I mean, right. when I started on a song, I, I would get, I would be like, oh, this sounds cool. And then I would jump off on something else. And just, you know, to have that uh, persistence, to have that clear idea, mm-hmm. um, that was a really important, ne- that's really important now, yeah. I think. Well, let's talk about that. So you're an 11 year old kid, you got a guitar, you start playing, you start jamming with your friend. And and where does that end up? Like, where does that go? Like, you, does that last for a summer? Does that last for a couple of years? Do you guys like, do you ever play a gig with him? Yeah, yeah, we uh we extended the the band and uh-huh. we got a bass player and a keyboard player uh-huh. and uh we played yeah, we played gigs. We played I think mostly like we played uh, like art galleries and that At what age? Uh I was like 16, 17. What kind of music would you say it was? People said we sounded like Radiohead. That's tight. And like Nirvana and stuff. Um, you know, were you singing in the band as well? Yeah. So you're I was. playing guitar and singing at the same time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. That's a talent. Thanks. That dude. shit is hard. It took a while. Yeah. I think uh you know, when I, I at that point, at that point the sound that I mean the kind of guitar playing I was doing was like, you know, kind of Nirvana like. Yeah. You know, like sometimes like not big open chords where like barred chords and like, you know, certain certain additional like hammers and you know, just pretty simple. Yeah. You know, simple music. But the the thing with the thing with our band was that our drummer was so good. Yeah. That we could, you know, the bass player and I and the keyboardist could just play, you know, the craziest shit. And the drummer the, the drum patterns would be so on. Was it like he was like math rock drummer almost or something? Dude, he was just an athlete. Yeah. Like I don't he he listened to like the Who and like he nerded out on classics, you yeah. know, but he had so much energy and like any drummer should. Yeah. And he just like, he just kept us going, man. Nice. So that was, he was the, so you guys stuck with it for a while. What was the band called? Man, we had a weird name. I, if I could go back and change it, I would, but I just named it, um, after this place that I would go with my dad to like, um, help him out with his, like his work. And, uh, it was this place, this town called McKittrick. So that was the name of the band, McKittrick? McKittrick Pits. McKittrick Pits. That's cool. The pits were these tar pits. Yeah. We would go and spend like hours at these pools of tar where there's just hot, you know, gas and all this like shit. Like what, digging up fossils and shit or something? Just taking the tar, taking a sample of it and like driving back to the Bay Area. Huh. He would experiment on it for months and it just – I mean the place just has a really – a real spookiness that never, never really – left my uh you know my memory and everything and that was uh the name of the band mckittrick pits that's tight but <laughs> so how what was the demise of mckittrick pits we all just went to college so it just it just kind of ended recently then yeah a couple years yeah but, well, what are you like a senior now or are you a junior yeah, senior. senior so yeah it ended like three three years ago or something like that yeah in the grand scheme that's like yesterday it ended yesterday for sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> that may seem like forever so long that ago. seems like forever for you but that was just yeah. a little bit ago yeah. um do you guys keep in contact though i keep in contact i keep in really close contact with uh, the bass player slash keyboard player they would switch off 
they yeah I'm, I'm close with them still the drummer dude he you know he was an athlete he had different plans he was you know he went he went to some school in uh the midwest and you know we're really cool and everything we just don't we haven't talked playing much. what like football or something what was he playing i don't know huh. he was a uh, he was super into baseball you know he was the baseball guy yeah but uh so you guys were more or less like here's the thing is that you guys became friends at 11 right mm -hmm. and, and playing drums and guitar mm -hmm. and you you both became friends because of this like mutual goal yeah do you feel like you never really became like friends friends it was always even at 11 it was kind of like some business shit um well when we were that young yeah he was definitely like one of my best friends you know yeah. it was like you know we we loved each other and but everything. then a chick out in the way no, I mean, when in high school, yeah. like he he took sports and stuff so seriously, and you know, I started, you know, skating and smoking and yeah. all this stuff, and he, uh, we just had different lifestyles. Yeah, but the music kept you guys together. Still, oh, though. it was always the music. Yeah, in high school and yeah, he's a great guy for show. Yeah. I'm not trying to get you to talk shit oh, about no, your friend. Not at all. I, just, yeah. I just haven't thought about him in a while. Yeah, well, it's funny because like I feel like um, everybody that I've collaborated with on music, it, it, it starts off kind of on some like being cool and being friends, and then the longer that you work together, the more like you start to realize uh, music is the tie that binds. You know what I mean? And, there, and sometimes there's not much else other than that music. I you know what you. I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, is it when you get to college? Is that when you really start experimenting with soundscapes on your own, or were you doing mm -hmm. that already in high school? That was the first time I was I started recording when you got to college on my own. Yeah. So you moved to LA and like what happened? Did you you go to Low in Theory or something? Yeah, dude. And was I that mean, a that was a big game changer? As soon as I went there, I was like, all right. All right what this was is what's up? What was the show that you went to? I think the first time I went, I think I saw Toki Mosta. Okay. Back then she was like, you know, she was doing something that you know, it was just like it was amazing to me and you know all the she was very melodic and soulful and brought elements of the colors you know like yeah very colorful all the brain feeder stuff yeah huge fan um so that was the first first time i went there and you know got hooked Did you start I mean, going often oh yeah dude i've you know for the past ever since then going as often as i could almost every week Maybe that's why you look familiar. Because when you walked in, I said, oh, hey, I, th I feel like I've met you before. Uh -huh. uh, and maybe that's why. I go to low end a lot, too. Uh -huh. I don't really, like, pay that close attention to the acts anymore, which is a bad thing. I just go to look, kind of, like, be around and say hi to people and be be friendly. That's why it's so dope. It's tight. It's a nice – it's a good community there, and it's uh -huh. a nice, like – I hate to say scene, but it is, like, it's a, it's a good – it's a cool little scene. Totally. And it's a nice place where I know, like, a lot of my friends will be every Wednesday, and I can go say hi to people after I've been – uh, done being a hermit for a while. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, so that's dope. And you said you started um, interning for Kev? Yeah. yeah. How, how long did that take before you were like, okay, I like this shit, now I want to start interning? I did the internship when I was a sophomore. So I was going to Low End Theory for like a year before that. And um, I saw the, the ad to, you know, that work that they're hiring. Yeah. And I felt like, hell yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to do that, yeah. you know? Um, so I did that spring, in the spring of sophomore year. So that was just over a year ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. That was awesome. Good that experience. Dude, it was the shit. That, that, like, I met so many amazing people. Yeah. You know, like, my best friends now 
my best friends now I met from that. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I've always heard great things about the internship, breaking the fourth wall. If you guys out there listening ever are interested in interning for Alpha Pub, feel free to hit Kev up. I know that he's always looking for interns. Uh-huh. And it's a cool experience. Everybody that I've talked to that's done it has always been like very appreciative of it. And a lot of people that like I've had on the podcast have have interned for him and stuff. It's it's interesting. So after you see Toki Monster at low end theory, like do you go out and buy some gear? Do you bootleg some shit for the computer? Like what do you do? How how do you start yeah. like changing your uh, musical landscape? Well, I had the ideas, you know. I just had I needed the gear and I needed the I needed to develop my skills, which took a long time. But uh, you know, I started out on GarageBand and then I got I, I jacked Logic, and then my computer died after a month. So all the shit I made on Logic, it was a bunch of shit anyways. Like it wasn't any good. But I lost all that. So then, so then I had to replace the hard drive and everything. And then I jacked Ableton, and then I was like, this is crazy, you know. And it took me a long time to get to get uh, you know, my ideas straight with that. But now I'm, you know, I bought it like a year ago, and. Uh, you know, I'm on nine now mm-hmm. and it's so sick. I just bootlegged nine. I've been thinking about maybe teaching myself to use it. I'm a uh, proficient at Fruity Loops. I used to fuck around with making beats a lot. And I always felt like when I was making beats, I was like more creative with my raps and I haven't done it in a couple of years. And so I'm like, maybe I should start making beats again. Able to, it's very intimidating to jump into a new program that you're not familiar with. How long did it take you to get comfortable with it? Oh man. Ableton. Whew. It was a bitch, man. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have any anyone showing me stuff, so yeah. I just taught myself. But there are a lot of YouTube tutorials. There are. Yeah. I'm such an I'm such a you know I'm such an idiot about that. Yeah. I, I should do that more. But uh, <laughs> um, I think I I mean the first stuff I made, you know, I, I I was such a goof. I didn't know that you could like just like make a timeline song. Yeah. You know? All my first stuff were just like little live sessions that I recorded. Oh, right. So just right. like, you know, triggering stuff. And so much of it was offbeat. And, you know, that was all right at the time. But, you know, now it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> keep right. That in the closet. Right, right. But <clears throat> that was, uh, that was when I started out. It took me about two years, maybe. I mean, I've been working on it since uh, sophomore, beginning of sophomore year, which was, almost three or two two and a half right right yeah it's been a while not not a whole lot but i can i can make i can make the sounds i want now so when did you start realizing that like okay sampling isn't <laughs> gonna be my shit like i want to do found noise like what, what was the idea for that oh man dude that's that's the really that's the stuff that i dwell on you know because um music is life i realized i came to a realization like you know, a while ago that everyday life and sounds that happen in your surroundings, in your room are like more profound than you want to believe. So when you produce those things, right, when you produce sounds that you're used to tuning out, when you produce them and you can like, you know, if you put, if you put enough effects on them, then they're, then they're obscured enough to sound like you know, atmosphere or anything, anything you want. But when you keep a certain rawness, like a certain, like, like a liveliness, you know, Mm -hmm. and like these sounds, these sounds like hardly, hardly anyone's really using them to the, to the best, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, the people that really, really blow my mind now, 
are like guys like Amon Tobin. He's the best. He's the best producer in the world, in my opinion. You know, he takes sounds that are like completely alien, but they're very familiar. You know, they're daily sounds. Mm-hmm. He did one album that was just all like, you know, animals and machines and stuff like that. And that takes music to a completely new place. That takes music to a place that is experiential. And music should be that, mm-hmm. you know. I think music, you know, it's it's part of the evolution. I'm trying to trying to uh, just be more expressive of myself because I don't, I'm uh, I think that everyone really deep down we're not all that different, right? Mm-hmm. So when you take stuff that makes you know our experience, and you take that stuff and you translate it in uh, in a way perhaps with an emotion behind it or a color, you know, you can really take someone out of their, out of their slumber. Mm -hmm. You know, you can really wake someone up. You can change someone. Do you feel like, uh, you're more of a producer or a vocalist or like, do you feel like your vocals are just part of the production? Um, I I mean, it sounds like you're really trying to create these really custom soundscapes and you're very passionate about it. So do you feel like you concentrate more on, on, on the sound than, than maybe the voice? The goal is to have them have them blend yeah. seamlessly and sound sound like they're supposed to be together. Uh-huh. You know, um, I you know I want to be I, I when I was a little kid I wanted to be a singer. Yeah, but you know I don't want I don't want someone else to make me a beat. You know I don't right. I don't need that. I I know exactly what I want to make. Yeah, so it's both. Right, definitely. Do you put a lot of weight into your lyrics? And I, and I say that not, that that almost sounds disrespectful as a question. Do you put a lot of weight in your lyrics? But like, I'm gonna keep it a hundred right here. Like when I listen to Radiohead, most of the time I don't understand what the fuck Tom York is saying. Yeah. I, I'm just kind of listening, and it's the mood and the atmosphere that they're creating that makes the music so moving to mm-hmm. me. Not necessarily what he's saying. Right? Uh, do you relate to that at all? Like, do you, totally. Like yeah. it's less about what you say and more and how about how it sounds almost. When I was young, it I didn't care so much. Yeah. But you know reading more now and becoming smarter and becoming a better listener i think is what makes what makes anyone want to be better you know when you really hear something amazing i mean you know hearing certain lyrics hearing a certain combination of words that don't quite make sense but it makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. you know so that that stuff is what what drove me to sing you know, I I didn't care so much in the beginning about what I said. Of course, of course, I I had to say words. You know, so I I would make up things to say, but I, there weren't. You know, I wasn't like no, not a whole lot of weight. But yeah. now now I'm trying. But the way some this girl was asking me the other day, she was like, "Oh, what are you doing?" I was like, "Oh, I'm writing lyrics." You know, it's like this is the hardest part for me. And she was like, "Why well, it's so hard? Like it's so easy. Like I do it all the time." And I was like. Okay, like maybe if you're, maybe if you're like you know trying to tell a story like in a linear way, you know, like I don't know, how often do you listen to music like that? Yeah, <laughs> it sounds the same every time. You right, know? right. I was telling her I like music with words that kind of appear out of thin air that you didn't hear before. Maybe because you you know it, it wasn't it wasn't part of a linear sentence or whatever. I like. I was telling her I like words and lyrics that are kind of like secret messages you know 
I like a song to be like a mystery, you know, that you have to like really like get into and discover words. That's interesting. That's a, that's a cool take. Uh, it surprises me that you said earlier that you weren't that popular in high school because I feel like chicks would have gone apeshit for you. Like you uh, talk so relaxed and you like <laughs> fucking make music and like you say all this like fucking artsy fartsy shit. I feel like <laughs> I feel like girls would just go crazy for that. You know, you're not a bad looking guy. You're a handsome man. Like that that just surprises me that you're saying you weren't popular. Well, I wasn't popular. Now, now that you're in the high, now that you're in college, you got to be fucking you got to be killing the game. Am I right? An art major. Uh, I was just so like weird and emo, dude. I don't know. I mean, chicks love weird and emo. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I mean, some go crazy. You know, yeah. I've had you know crazy girlfriends, and you know, I've had girls. I've had to like you know turn down girls and stuff, but like that wasn't you know that sucks. <laughs> that's not I your that's that. that's not your passion. No, I hate that. <laughs> you know, when oh, when I know shit. when I know that you know someone's thinking about me, then. You know, unless I really, really like them. Yeah. You freeze up. You awkward around the opposite sex? Definitely not awkward. Yeah. No. Okay. I, I, I'm pretty comfortable, you know, but when I was a kid, it was hard to find, you know, I, I had this problem, you know, okay. When I was a kid, like, all right, I need to be with a cute girl. You mm. know, I love cute girls, mm. but like all the cute girls are like so bitchy, mm. you know, and like they're really judgmental and it's hard to keep their attention. You mm. know, they're they're really good at making you feel like an idiot. Mm -hmm. And that's how I was when I was younger, you know, really cool girls weren't like dolling up, you know, they didn't look super hot, you know, <laughs> and like, right, right. Which is unfortunate, man. That's it's like that, Ven that Venn diagram. On, uh, <laughs> have you ever seen that online? The Venn diagram where it's like, it's three circles about chicks. I'm sorry, women that are listening. I'm, we aren't, we aren't misogynists. We're just making light of a situation, but, <laughs> but it's like three circles of a Venn diagram. And it's like, you've got good looking, um, smart, and emotionally stable and it's like you can only pick two for any woman they can only they can only be good looking and smart but they're gonna be absolutely crazy yeah. or they can be good looking and emotionally stable but they're gonna be dumb or they're gonna be fucking emotionally stable and smart but not good looking like yeah. you can never get the perfect trifecta i've yet yeah. to, i've yet to meet that perfect trifecta yeah likewise man yeah but I, I like i like smart good looking girls but emotionally stable is, is the least important for me hey if you're crazy i'm i'm down me too man i, I like me a crazy bitch yeah yeah Super Those are my down. favorites. Yeah, super down, dude. <laughs> the, the, cra the crazier, the better in bed, and the better, the more fun it is. They keep you on your toes. I'll yeah. tell you what. You got a lady right now? No, nah, nothing serious. Yeah, so ladies, you're going to see when you see this picture of him on kindanita.net. It's a handsome man. You look like a fucking Abercrombie model, bro. <laughs> oh, he's going he's gonna to be out here fucking cleaning up at Low End Theory after this shit. <laughs> Uh, what are you currently working on? What, are the, what's the, what projects have you put out? How about that? I'm not even that familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Stuff that I'm proud of yeah, is sure. really only like one thing. Which is? Um, that I just put out in June. Mm -hmm. It's five song EP. Took me forever to make just because I wanted it to be, I wanted to share it. You know, like um, my previous stuff, I listened to it and I'm like, oh God, like mm. I did that. Oh God, why did I do that? But now this this thing I, I designed for, uh, you know, a specific purpose and I'm I'm still proud of it, which is somewhat surprising yeah but um yeah that's called sign of life came out in june Bandcamp, all the songs are on soundcloud so you can just stream it there um and yeah that's that i took i took a while to do that um right now i'm working on a new three song ep um 
my homie Paul. You know Paul? Paul, Paul Preston? I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Well, yeah. Peabody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I know who Peabody is. I've not uh, been officially introduced, but I'm familiar okay. with who he is. Yeah. Yeah. He's starting a label called Tar. Okay. And he asked me to do. He like DJs with. Uh, Brain what, like a, yeah, brief, yeah, like Azizi and, and those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah, seen him around. He's a super dope, super dope guy. Cool. Yeah, he loves my artwork and loves my music and stuff. So preparing three song for that. I make like a new song every week. So, you know, my plan right now is I have ideas about what I'm going to do. But by the time it comes out, you know, it's probably going to be something totally different. But, um, you know, working, always working on new things. I think that lately... Coming out of the the thing I just made, Sign of Life, which uh, I have a I have a copy for you. Oh, a thanks, physical buddy. One. Yeah. You're the first person in thirty something episodes to bring me a gift. Oh, you're setting a precedent that now I'm going to bang on everybody. Like you bet, you motherfuckers better bring me a gift. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, dude, that's very tight. You you did the artwork as well. Of course, very abstract. Even, even on the inside. Awesome. Yeah, I'm down. Uh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Very welcome. Now everybody that I ever invite on here is going to have to step yeah, up. Yeah, you guys better step your fucking shit up and bring me, <laughs> bring, bring me some presents. Um, a song a week, that's that's a lot. And you're juggling school. Do you have a job? Just apply to Guitar Center. Nice. See what happens. Is that, what's the plan when you get out of school? Um, you know. How are you going to keep a roof over your head? I'm concerned for you, Walker. Are you? Wow. How are you going to keep a song? Oh, no, not no, this. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> Um, no, no, but for I, real, do you do you have a plan? Kind of, yeah. Know, not yeah. really, yeah. But um, people say that they're afraid of going home, and I'm not afraid of going home. I don't, you know. There's nothing wrong with going home. My my parents are empty nesters now. Yeah, and you know, since since my sister and I moved out, they totally upgraded all the shit at home. Now there's like an outdoor spa, and it's like, oh god. You know, every time I go there, it's hard to come back. Dude, you guys are a lucky generation, too, because the fucking uh, everything crumbled. Uh, like the economy crumbled right when you guys are at the right age to where now it's like, oh, yeah, oh, I'm 23, I'm 24. I'm going to go live at home because the economy's bad. Like I missed that by a few years <laughs> where it's like I can't move back home in my 30s on some like, hey, the economy's bad. Sorry, guys, yeah. I got to come home. I'm all be like, motherfucker, you better get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I, you know, I'm down here struggling. But that's the thing is like, I have a I think the one thing that was good about art school is that it taught me that I can do a lot of different hustles because mm-hmm. like creativity is creativity. And you and if you're creative in your hustles, you'll always keep a roof over your head you know what i'm saying exactly yeah for sure that's my plan you know it's just a hustle yeah i don't plan on going home but like you know that's that's tends to be the fear Mm. and there's nothing wrong with that right right but uh yeah my plan would be to you know i'm never gonna stop hustling you know i'm just a i'm a creative person i i do this because i don't know what else to do i can't do anything else i won't do anything else you know i have this whole photo thing you know i can it's not my passion, but I have, I have a, you know, an in there to yeah. work and shoot. I have all the equipment and all the skills. I've been educated, you know, um, and you know, with the art too. I think not like not like I'm gonna start like selling my artwork on the street or anything, right? But, but uh, you can always take design gigs and whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so much stuff. Yeah, for know? sure. And uh, you know, Guitar Center. Yeah, we'll see. Guitar Center, bang. Yeah, that's the perfect <laughs> fucking stoner musician lifestyle. Like, oh yeah, yeah dude, you want to let's jam out? <laughs> oh, you can't play fucking Freebird here. Sorry, man. No stairway to heaven. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> yeah, man. Well, fuck. Thanks for coming in, dude. I appreciate it. Um, let's before we get out of here, tell the people where they can find you online. Yeah, your Twitter is my Twitter is toy underscore light toy light spelled properly with an underscore in the middle. Yeah, you got a Facebook fan page. I do. What is so, Facebook dot com slash toy light music and um, Bandcamp. I'm on there. SoundCloud toy light. Should be fairly easy to find. Yeah, uh, if you Google search Toy Light, the SoundCloud's the first thing mm-hmm. that comes up. And, like, the SoundCloud's legit. It's got a lot of great shit on it. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You got Instagram you want to shout out? I do, yeah. What's That's, your Instagram, bro? We're very just, futuristic here. Yeah, it's just at Toy Light. No, at Toy Light. Nothing, uh, no tricks in there. Just and then this episode is going to come out next week. So you're playing low end soon, right? Low end theory, October 2nd with Lapalux. So there you go. If you guys are in the LA area and uh, you see his live performance, what song are you going to perform? Today? Yeah, tonight. I'm going to perform two. You're going to do two? I cut two. I cut both in half. So they're a little mini mixtape. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you're familiar with my newest EP, Sign of Life, then I'm going to do mansions of night and sacred heart okay perfect so if you uh, see the video and you guys appreciate it you can go see him in the los angeles area at low end theory on october 2nd is that what you said that's right october 2nd so thank you so much for coming in walker it's a pleasure to talk to you you're very fucking soothing aura about you like you're very <laughs> relaxed and sage like uh wise beyond your years and your music is dope and i think that uh great things are going to come from it so thank you uh my name is lee you guys might know me as intuition you can follow me on twitter at it's intuition my man ben back there there in the hot room making the shit sound buttery is at I am database based with two S's. You can find both of us on Instagram uh, with the same names. Uh, you can find us as a unit together at That's Kind of Neat on Twitter. And we got a new Facebook fan page for Kind of Neat. So you can go to Facebook.com slash Kind of Neat. Uh, YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash That's Kind of Neat. And of course, you can find everything wrapped up in a pretty package on KindOfNeat.net. That fucking plug keeps getting longer and longer and longer. And I apologize for it. I know you've already all tuned out at this point. Don't fucking forget to subscribe to us on iTunes or on Stitcher. And if you subscribe on iTunes, Leave a five-star rating and comment. Tell us who you want to see on the show. Tell me how handsome I am. Leave me a digital high five. With all that being said, thank you guys for tuning in. This was kind of neat. Right.